Live from VentureX Studios, it's JP, Kathy, and the crew. All right. Good morning and welcome to JP, Kathy, and the crew. We have got uh, Ask Dr. Well, Dr. Rebecca Good from the Ask Dr. Be Good show with us today. And then after that, we have Congressman Van Taylor with his weekly update on, oh my goodness, I guess spending run amok. Um, I, if money grows on trees, I would like to know where that tree is grown because I would like to plant one in my backyard. Um, but let's get go ahead and uh, start talking to Ask Dr. Be Good this morning. How are you today, Dr. Rebecca Good? I'm at the lake. All is good. This weather uh, is to die for. Is it's it not? amazing, 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 except for the fact that my little dog is obsessed with chasing leaves. And when it's windy like this morning, <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh. We don't have two hours to do our business, but she's like chased every leaf. She has her cheeks tucked in with little <laughs> little acorns and everything, but it is beautiful. And if you're at the lake, I know it's extra beautiful out there. So, uh, so enjoy. Okay, so what I'm about to introduce to the crew, when I was reading over, and I haven't had a chance to read the full thing, so what you're reporting to me is going to be news, and I'm very anxious to hear about that. But we're talking about the metaverse and so i automatically think that sounds like a marvel movie or a dc movie but it's not and how is education being pulled into what they're now referring to as the metaverse help us out with this because it's not it's not a comic book is it uh, no okay. no although <laughs> avatars are involved and so well, there so you go. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago uh, at the end of october Facebook introduced its new name, right? Um, they are, are going to Meta as, as a, an umbrella name. Because in the article, there was a link to a one-hour video that Zuckerman did to sort of introduce some new, he hopes, successful concepts for future use of the products that he's and his company are doing. Right. And so we tend to only think of Facebook as this Facebook standalone. But actually, Mark Zuckerberg is involved in, in several different things. And so and, and but he understood that he was not being given credit for or that people didn't know that there was life beyond on Facebook. So this one hour video was pretty interesting because it's if he can pull it off, it may actually change the workplace, school, home, and, and, and so forth. And so wow. what he's doing is, uh, yes, and I encourage everybody to, if they have an hour, even if you just you know, listen to it on the road, there are some good pieces to watch in there. But right. just to, to, get, to start wrapping one's brain around the concept of virtual reality, augmented reality, and how that's going to change, he hopes. Um, the workplace, which ultimately would impact the home place and school. So what he is wanting to do is use augmented reality to, first of all, bring people together. You know, throughout the one-hour video, he talked about a lot about privacy and, and protecting privacy. And, you know, that's a big thing right now with oh, yes. the scandal around Facebook, right? And so that was a common thread. The very first thing he said at the, within the first two or three minutes of the video was, that his number one goal is to bring people together. And so um, what he's doing is he is bumping up the technology so that 
augmented reality, virtual reality can be used to bring teams of people together, much like the holograms on Star Trek. Truly, truly, it reminds me of Star Trek um, and being able to be in a room with people from all over the world. Uh, so, going over, you know, so Dr. Good, concept. you're talking beam me up, Scotty? Well, <laughs> our, our hologram, yes. And so wow. we would have, instead of, as we're working from our house, we're actually, though, creating the work environment that actually looks like our office. And because people uh, work better when they feel like they're in an office setting, although Absolutely. you don't have the commute and the traffic and all that. Right. And so um, he has tried for years to, to sell his virtual reality goggles, but not had much success. They're clunky, they're expensive. And he's actually working on a better set of those Plus, he's also working on glasses. Glasses, right now you can buy glasses through Ray-Ban. He has done a, um, he's working with Ray-Ban to have glasses where you can answer your phone, you can talk as if it were a phone. Right. So that you're not, he feels like it's safer than walking with the phone in front of your face. Okay, well, that's an interesting concept. It costs okay. $199, and it sounds like I'm selling them, but all of this is, <laughs> It's opening up new understandings of the possibility of how that it can impact our schools and our school curriculum. Right. And and he did touch on that. He gave an example of a young lady who is studying uh, astrophysics, and she goes into the uh, metaverse and surrounds herself with Saturn and is looking closely at the rings around Saturn and all that. And so it, it is a way of bringing things alive. And then there was another example of a, of a student who becomes an avatar and goes into early Rome. And so is wandering the streets of early Rome and, and seeing what it looked like to uh, be in Rome, you know, a thousand years ago. And so all of those have really good possibilities. Now, what's interesting to me is that the, uh, the adults in public education have not shown much of an interest in adding this to the curriculum right now. They, they shared an example of uh, having this available at several education conferences and people not, educators not being very um, open to the concept of buying new stuff, which I find interesting because I would think, and, and maybe it's time to have kids be part of that um, decision-making around right. what should be added. I would have thought that because, and you know, I'm reading all sorts of articles about how much loss we've had during the pandemic, right? I mean, we weren't doing super great in our national test scores against other states and countries anyway. And now in the pandemic, we've lost 10 years worth, according to um, the Commissioner of Education. I would think that anything that we could bring in that would excite kids would would be a good thing, but um, but because adults are the ones making the decisions around all this stuff, that may be hampering the opportunity to get kids excited about the curriculum. Imagine being in a social studies class, history class, science class, and and you're stepping into that environment, whatever you're studying, whether it's um, Rome or American history, you know, 1776, and and becoming part of that, and and just. I would think kids would eat that up, right? Well, I mean, you could, you know, you could actually 
be part of, in, you know, you could be part of World War One. You could be in the swamps of Vietnam. Yeah. You could be marching alongside Martin Luther King, you know, singing "We Will yeah. Overcome." I, you know, I am. Um, it's interesting. I, I've looked. I've done a little bit of research, and anytime I see an article about this, I'll, I'll read this, and that is because they have where you can um like michael jackson for example he has like a hologram con concert that that was traveling for a while where you could actually you know they played his music and it looked like it was him up on stage performing um you know I, there's many a bands that were on my bucket list that you know i did never get to see them that i'm sitting here thinking would i go would i wear a pair of glasses just like i've worn to you know um oh uh 3D movies, would I put on glasses and pay to see the original Kingston Trio, for example, who I know you've seen, um, but, you know, to, to, you know, to see, to see them and it actually looked like a concert experience. I, I think I would. And so I, it, then that makes me think, okay, go to the source of who's going to be using this product. You know, are we to a point, especially with technology and remember kids are educators. We're like the last ones. To, to go with the flow on we just don't go with the flow on technology we're like oh wait a second um so is it time to pull in to some of these discussions and how would you do that dr good this may be something you're talking about on sunday but it, is it time to pull in the actual person who's going to be using learning from experiencing the product because some kids may be like oh yeah, to be behind the enemy lines in world war ii eh, no thanks um you know to to you know to imagine being in the you know batan death march no thanks I, you know or to actually be you know a um you know uh like you know a cell in a plant you know as it's going through photosynthesis i mean really the sky's the limit so is it time to pull in and you mentioning this really has me thinking the younger generation and see what they think about it that they are going to be the actual users now obviously the teachers have to know how to use it and all that kind of good stuff but they would be the ones ultimately benefiting from it is it time yes. to pull them into that conversation at, at the state level the federal level the local level is anybody doing yeah. that any time that you have a bunch of well-meaning adults making decisions <laughs> about and for kids, it, it worries me because um, we don't always take their interests in mind, right? We do what's good for our adults. Uh, and so that's my, my wondering here is are we shutting out an early opportunity? I don't think we can close the, the lid on it. I don't think schools would... Um, you know, if it, it starts being popular and successful in other schools, that they would not do it. But to become an early adopter versus a late adopter, because schools are known to be late adopters of good practices. Yeah. <laughs> if you, um, when when I first got into education 35 years ago, they I used to hear that saying that schools are 30 years behind, right? Well, that's, oh, yeah. You heard me say that during the pandemic. I think we, we jumped ahead probably 10 to 15 years of that 30, just by forcing the infrastructure, forcing technology on our teachers and our kids and our parents. So I think we've gained some ground, but again, we have a lot of exciting things uh, coming in the future. And, and it's those doggone adults that sometimes interfere with uh, what could be good for kids. So, um, but th this whole concept was mind opening about what's coming. 
And so, you know, glasses, like I said, glasses that you can answer your phone on. And they weren't super expensive, like I said, under $300. Right. And maybe a bit safer than walking around as we all see people doing now with a phone in front of their face and then they fall down. Um, and AR goggles that can really help us see the past and science in a way that's just more um, exciting for our kids and then our adults, right? Um, and what was interesting is future sources of work. Facebook put out last year a request for creators or to help write what they call the Spark AR curriculum, right. augmented reality curriculum. They've had 22,000 people sign up for their course. Now, their course only uh, costs $150 um, to take, but then you get a badge, and, and if you're good at it, you can work for Facebook. And so I'm thinking, because you know a lot of these support jobs are going away. Uh, McDonald's is experimenting with a robot at the cashier window, right? Yes. The drive-in window. Oh, well, Dr. Good, we went and we went on um, my son's 18th birthday. He wanted to go to this Korean barbecue place, which was phenomenal. And um, they have a robot that acts as a server that goes around the restaurant. It was kind of like a little R2-D2 version, not quite as fancy as R2-D2, but goes around to the tables. And I'm sitting here thinking, is this the future? I went into a grocery store the other day. No more regular checkout things, and, I, and I'm 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 such, so not a fan of self checkout. Um, you know, it, it's the workforce is changing. So, what do we do to change with it to make sure there are still jobs 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? Well, and and here we are. I feel like I'm bringing this novel concept to maybe some baby boomers who uh, need to to know this for a couple of reasons. One is we need to keep up, right? I mean, that's the world is changing fast, fast, fast. Right. But are these um, opportunities, job opportunities for our kids, our grandkids, right? To, to say, hey, you know, I heard that Facebook is looking for AR um, curriculum writers. And that that is to do things like create these, you know, Roman uh, history times and science and all that. And so it could be that our, our grandkids are big tech, kids now anyway and let's put them to work for facebook and i shouldn't call it facebook i should call it meta right because again that's that umbrella and under the umbrella are the you know the collaboration with ray-ban and doing the ar doing the rb the uh, virtual vr virtual reality and so what what they're trying to help us see is that there's a whole metaverse get it universe metaverse right. out there of of how technology will change our life in a in the 21st century way, and a late 21st century way, uh, for those of us who are open to that concept. So, um, thanks for the opportunity for letting me do this because I really feel like sometimes we settle in our ways and we don't keep up. Right. But, um, we need to stay relevant, whether it's just to be relevant with our grandkids and our kids and so forth, but right. um, to know what's happening. I, I think the more relevant I try to be with my now 18 and 22 year olds, they're, they're they're like, oh, gosh, like the more I try to be hip, if you will. And you know me well enough, Dr. Good, you're laughing because you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably ugly. You know, when I try to throw the word extra out there, talk about the snapogram, they're just like, oh, mom, <laughs> I know, 
Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> that's for JP if he's listening from the hospital this morning. Well, thank you so much. And then Ann had a, had a question, and this is something to think about. Maybe you could cover on your show Sunday. It says, so are people, young and old, going to use the glasses for phone replacement and or learning, or will the glasses be used as a diversion from what is actually going on? So there, And there are a lot of people who are going to wonder, oh, look at this new shiny toy. Is this distracting from us becoming sheeple or whatever the case may be? So anyways, um, I know Ann listens to your show and watches your show on Sunday, so that might be a good conversation for y'all then. Okay. Well, thanks for the question. Um, you know, that we've had uh, glasses before that, that they have attempted to um, use as phones, and they didn't make it, if you'll remember, a few years back. So we just don't know, right, what's going to take with people, but... Again, I think the important thing to know is that there are companies out there doing mega technology that will impact us within a few years in major ways. So let's stay relevant around that. Yep. Very interesting. Never a dull moment with education. Just when you thought education was going to be boring and you were going to be a beekeeper full time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, well, let me leave off so I can get back on and listen to Senator uh, Taylor. I love it. All right. Well, have have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Sunday, Dr. Good. Um, Ask Dr. Be Good of the, um, or Dr. Rebecca Good of the Ask Dr. Be Good show. Um, that is a fascinating topic. And I think there are so many moving parts to that. Um, Anne has a very pertinent question. And I think it's going to be interesting to see where this leads and then then I have the question if kids I'm sitting here thinking from back when I was a special education teacher and if, if you'll let me know when Congressman Taylor's in the waiting room oh he's in oh oh excellent okay um yeah I'm, I'm sitting here thinking from a job training point of view um back when I was a special education teacher part of my job was to do job coaching and help get place uh, job placements for some of our students when I was at Plano East Senior High and so I wonder I I always think about it I always put on my special education hat whenever we talk about new things oh hello congressman how are you we've I think we've got we can hear you and we can see you can you hear us how are you excellent good morning and good morning there you go there you go well we were talking with um ask dr be good about the metaverse and you know is are holograms and beam me up scotty are those things that are going to be very quickly used here in the classroom so interesting topic you may want to catch her show on sunday but we've got We've got lots of interesting topics to talk with you about. And first of all, thank you so much for helping out and being a guest on our um, uh, second annual JP Kathy and the Crew Veterans Day Telethon. We really appreciate you coming on. And as a veteran, we thank you for your service to our country, Congressman. Thank you for that. Well, thank you, Kathy. It was great to be on with you. Uh, and uh, it, it was a great event. And I really enjoyed the opportunity to be there. Awesome. So that's a lovely thing. And we raised money for Dallas homeless veterans and life, life is good and all this kind of stuff. Now let's talk about, um, I mean, there is, and I don't know what other word to call it at this point, other than radical liberal spending. And, And if, you know, at first I was like, this is out of control spending it's radical. You know, I know there is not a money tree, but with the infrastructure bill that was just signed, it's it's like, nope, is any is anybody in D.C. 
present company excluded, is anybody concerned about the fact that we're spending money that does not exist? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly am. Uh, you know, I, obviously, one of the reasons I ran for public office was to try to reduce the size and scale of government. Uh, government is too big; it takes too much, uh, and you know that needs to be dealt with. Uh, and I am very concerned uh, with inflation. I think every American should be concerned with inflation. I think we're all seeing it when we go to the when we go to the the gas station and, and fill up our cars with gas. I think we're all seeing it when we go to the grocery store and price things. I mean, you know, this is about to be the most expensive Thanksgiving meal in the history of our country. Yes. And it's because President Biden and Democrats in Washington are spending money we don't have, and they are printing money, and that is driving up prices beyond anything we've ever seen. Um, and there are real ramifications. I mean, President Biden's war on energy is having a result. Uh, we're paying more at the pump. President Biden's reckless spending is having a result. Prices are going up. Uh, and so, you know, in the, and instead of learning these lessons and saying, you know what, maybe we should stop the war on energy and try to make sure that we have oil and gas so that we don't have to, so we can help, you know, working Americans get to work, or maybe we should stop all this reckless spending. They're trying to do more reckless spending. Uh, and, you know, there's, by one estimate, there's half a trillion dollars of Green New Deal spending uh, in the reconciliation bill. Um, and so this is this is a terrible step in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, higher taxes, more bigger government, more spending. Uh, this is this is bad for America and bad for our future. Well, and, and so let's talk about it. And again, I'm just going to continue to use the word radical this morning in my conversation with you because this is it everything is so over the top and and you said this is going to be the most um, expensive Thanksgiving in history it is there's also um, you might not have a turkey for your family for Thanksgiving there are things on the store shelves that are still missing um, because we do not have the capability or the the um, I guess I should say the manpower to get things from point A to point B any longer. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. And then let's talk about some of the um, radical components of reconciliation that are being shoved down we the people's throats from D.C. Like we don't have a choice. You know, I'm sh- I know. Well, I'm not I'm sure I know for a fact you're in D.C. trying to trying to, you know, rattle the cages and say, hey, here here's what y'all are doing to, to my constituents back in Congressional District 3. Is no one listening? What do we do about the supply chain demand? And then is anybody listening? What can be done? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, there are so many things that could be done. Uh, you could uh, alleviate, you know, union rules. You could reduce regulations. You could make it so it's easier for uh, truck drivers to come into California and to move goods. Uh, you could make it easier. You know, we passed a law in Congress last year to allow uh, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to apprentice uh, in driving semi-trucks. The administration has not moved on that legislation, right? So the law is there. All they have to do is promulgate rules. Uh, another thing they can do, that, another thing they're about to do, which I think is going to be a disaster, Kathy, are these vaccine mandates. Uh, the vaccine yes, mandates let's talk the, the about that. Wow. Uh, 
I mean, and you know, but, but you're asking a really good question. What can we do to make things better? Right. Uh, and, and you know, one answer is not implement these vaccine mandates. What I'm, I'm a believer in the vaccine. I've taken it. My whole family's taken it. I recommend everybody get vaccinated. Uh, we happen, Kathy, you and I, to live in, um, according to the, the Harvard Medical School, the most vaccinated Republican congressional district in America. I did not uh, know so, that. I mean, interesting. Believe it or not, yes, that is a, that is that that. That they, I think that's a study from June, and I, I don't know exactly where we are today. Uh, but, you know, look, we're, we're a very, relatively speaking, uh, Collin County is a very vaccinated place. Okay. Um, and so... Um, and so again, and again, you're, you're, I know you're okay, and sorry to interrupt, but I want to make sure if anybody's just now tuning into the show, you are a proponent of, hey, if you and your family and your doctor think the vaccine's a good idea for you, that's great, fine, and wonderful. If you don't, you don't want to get it, or your doctor says you don't need to get it, or you've got religious, it, you know, nobody should be forced into a vaccine situation. And I, and I know right. I've, I've heard you say that a million times. Sure. Just want to make sure we made that clear. Sure. Well, no, and look, and look you, you have people who say, look, uh, you know, I, I've already been infected. You know, I, I, had a, I had a COVID positive case six months ago or a year ago. Uh, I have the antibodies. You know, that person's safer, according to the F, you know, according to a lot of science, than someone who's just had the vaccine. The vaccine is not as effective as actually having been, uh, have, having been, you know, actually infected. Right. Right. So I could see someone saying, "Look, I don't want to go through. I don't want to get sick from the vaccine." Uh, you know, and I, you know, certainly most a lot of who I know have had, you know, um, secondary effects from the vaccine. But, the, but what I'm really worried about are these vaccine mandates. Um, yeah. And so yep. you know, last week, the TSA said that they thought they could lose 20,000 employees mm. by having a vaccine mandate. Well, understand, they only have 60,000 employees. So if you lose a third of the TSA agents in this country, it is going to put a real hand, and that's going to happen at the beginning of December, right before the holiday travel season, it's going to snarl American travel. It's just going to snarl it. It's going to be oh, awful. it is. It's it's going to destroy. And so you literally are going to have people stuck in airports, stuck. I I, I can't even. I mean, it, it's a it literally. And that's what I don't understand about this administration. And I know you share my frustration. I know you share the frustration of of we the people here in CD three. Don't just like Afghanistan, my goodness, these are things the the Texas border and heck, we just had a state rep who's a Democrat in, on the border in one of the border towns uh, just switched from Democrat to Republican said, this is no longer my party. The, you know, the Biden administration has has, you know, made my backyard for my family unsafe. Um, so you've got all of these things that to me are just so clear you can literally see it's kind of like the kid going to you know you've got your toddler who walks over and you don't have a you know a, a safety th plug in your light switch and your toddler's headed towards that and you know if you don't grab your toddler's hand and pull them back that's a possible disaster I feel like the Biden administration should how can they not see all these disasters coming well and you know and and part of it is they're creating the disasters, right? Yes. So the war on energy creates yes, higher are. oil prices. But that's, but that's something that you know the left has wanted for a long time. They've intentionally tried to raise oil prices. Yep. Um, you know, and so if you're you know if you're mad about your pump price, that is a direct, direct result of policy that Democrats have been pursuing for a generation. That that is something that, that you know the radical left wants higher energy prices. 
and so they're not not only they're not doing anything about it they're happy to see it now they might tell you oh we're so sorry this is costing you money Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day they're not really pursuing they're not doing anything to stop it um and then and then uh you know and then you look at you know the consequences be damned on this vaccine mandate and you see this in new york so we go to new york city right uh, a couple of weeks ago they said look we've had to shut down 20 percent of our fire stations here in new york city because of the vaccine mandate well that that is very real that is endangering people who live in new york city who rely on the fire department to put out fires um, and to provide emergency medical services and so that is a very severe you know, hit to the safety um, of the community of New York City. And so you can see the consequences of these vaccine mandates before they happen in real time, because you've got some canaries in the coal mine that are saying, ooh, that's going to hurt. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. Uh, but the Biden administration is very, you know, they're, they're blindly charging ahead with this. Yeah, and, and you're right. It, they, and, I, and and do they, do they think we're stupid, Van? Do they think that the American people, you know, we're, we're literally, you've got information at your fingertips 24-7. When they're talking out of one side of their mouth saying, oh, we care about you. Oh, my goodness, we're so sorry about this. Buy your Christmas presents early so they can get there on time for your kids, even though people don't have, they can't afford the Christmas presents they normally would because of inflation. And then also a lot of people are out of jobs because they've been forced out of jobs, like you said, because of these forced vaccines or because their job just no longer exists because the government is just taking over and over. So they talk out of this one side of our mouth. Do they just think we're stupid? And And I hate using that word. But at the end of the day, do they think the American people are so stupid that we believe that they care about us, even though they're intentionally putting disasters one after another in front of us? Do they think we're stupid? I, I don't know about that. I think, I think at the end of the day, they're, they're blinded by their own ideology. Uh, okay. they, they think, look, we've, we've got to do this. It's, you know, we need Green New Deal policies. We need higher taxes. We need to do deficit spending. You know, and well, we're sorry about the consequences. We're sorry that, you know, your family is having a hard time finding a turkey. We're sorry your family, you know, we're sorry that your, you know, your husband, son, daughter lost their job over a vaccine mandate, but we had to do it for safety. You know, that it was important to do. Um, and I just, I think that they're wrong. And I think that the sooner that they're out of power, uh, the better off we're all going to be. And by the way, that those beeps are because I'm in my office in Congress, and that's actually signaling us that we're going to start our floor session in 15 minutes. So oh, okay. I was like, I was, wondering, the <laughs> yes. yeah. I was like, wait a second, is this a fire drill, or are we being taken taken over? Is this breaking news? Okay, so that's your 15 minute warning. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about. Okay, so we've got Beto in for governor now. Um, he'll be the top of the ticket for the Democrats. We have a um, a gentleman in. Um, on in one of the border towns who's a state representative in the state of texas Mm -hmm. who literally just switched there was a thing with him and governor abbott the other day switched from the democrat party to the republican party um why do you think things like that are going on i mean you've recently been to the border heck you you were you were on the on the border um defending us oh gosh 20 25 years ago i mean this has been a this is a topic that you know had long tenure with you um, what are your thoughts on why we have a Democrat 
in switching to the Republican Party and then thoughts on Beto, Beto being at the top of the ticket. Does that help Republicans? Does that hurt us? Does that help us get more House members like yourself to D.C. or back to D.C.? Sure. Uh, you know, look, uh, so Ryan Guillen, uh, state representative uh, on the border, you know, um, longtime Democrat, you know, switched parties this week. Uh, and and Republicans actually won in a special election the first week of November uh, a state representative seat in San Antonio. So we now have two more Republican representatives in the Texas House, um, but they are both Hispanics in heavily Hispanic districts. Um, and this, uh, this, and this, this I think uh, speaks to you know a lot of time. I, I think Democrats you know, think, well, if you're, if you're a minority, you're a Democrat. And this is clearly not the case. And these trends are showing you it's not the case. Uh, Republicans are competitive uh, in Hispanic seats. Um, and so, uh, and because a lot of Hispanics are hardworking, uh, many of them are Catholic, they're pro-life, uh, they believe in freedom, they believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, Ryan Guillen made a name for himself as one of the most pro Second Amendment members of legislature, period, end. Not right. one of the most pro-Second Amendment legislators who was a Democrat. He was one of the most uh, most pro-gun. I remember working with him when I was in the State House on Second Amendment legislation. He was, he was a pro, pro-gun, pro-freedom um, uh, legislator. And so uh, really, you know, and, he, and I actually was texting with him this week and congratulated him. So welcome to the team. Uh, and we're really excited. He, he is on board. He's, he's now now a Republican. Uh, but I think what you're seeing is, uh, is, is a rejection by many people in the border communities uh, of, remember, McGowan got a Republican mayor in May. Yes. So, so this is, is the, the, and, and so there is, a, there is a response, a visceral response by communities along the Rio Grande, Rio Grande River uh, who are appalled, shocked, and horrified by the atrocious situation going on the U.S.-Mexican border. September, the highest number of, of, of apprehensions on the southern border in the history of our country for a September. October, the highest number of apprehensions on the southern border in the history of our country for the month of October. You have two months in a row, absolutely record-breaking months. It is a disaster You've got the Biden administration that continues to say ridiculous things like we have more control over the border than we ever have in the history of our country. Secretary Marcus, believe it or not, tried to tried to assert that in a Senate hearing this week on Capitol mm. Hill. I just it just it just it staggers the mind that you could look at these record numbers, right? These are record numbers, like the worst they've ever been, and then try to turn around and say, no, no, we're in control. It's all good. Nothing to see here. I mean, it's just it, it, it's just mind blowing. It, um, it does boggle the mind. It, it does boggle and, the mind. Yeah. And, and it, it clearly has offended those communities. I mean, so a lot of these communities on the southern border are like, this is just not this is false. And we're tired of this, these ridiculous lies. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's not unfortunately, unfortunately it's not just in Texas. Uh, you know, the uh, governor of Arizona wrote an editorial in The Wall Street Journal this week talking about how. Biden wins Arizona, then attacks it. Uh, and he was specifically referencing the border policies. The policies on the U.S. Mexican border 
have been atrocious. It's the most out of control it's ever been. It's created a humanitarian crisis. Uh, I was talking to uh, one of my constituents just yesterday, uh, um, a college student who was doing a project on immigration, and she kept saying over and over, there's a humanitarian crisis on the southern border, a humanitarian crisis. It's like, absolutely. Humanitarian crisis has been created by terrible policies by the Biden administration in a refusal to accept that there is a crisis. Right? This is, and that's, I think that is the most infuriating part of it. I mean, at first you're like, okay, you guys are incompetent. Okay, now you're intentionally doing bad things. And now it's like, now you're trying to cover up that you've done bad things. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's hard not to be enraged by this. Uh, with the human suffering uh, that I saw on the border just when I was down there a few weeks ago. Um, and, you know, look, in, you know, since I've been going to the border 25 years ago, it's the worst it's ever been. It is right. the worst it's ever been. It's demonstrable. It's in the numbers. There's no question about it. Mm. Well, and, and, and I know you've, you've got to get onto the floor for voting, but um, uh, Beto at the top of the ticket for the Democrats. I mean, here, here's what well, I've been telling people. Beto, it's Beto, gonna, Beto you're pulling money in from everywhere. Radical, yeah, yeah, Beto represents the new radical left of the Democrat yes. Party, right? Yes, he, he does. He, is, he yep. is now on record saying, I'm going to, take, I'm going to confiscate your guns. I'm going to come and take them. We are going to take your guns from you. Yeah, I'm going to he knock is, on your he, door. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, he is he is he is saying we need to, we definitely need to defund the police. Mm. Uh, he was, you know, when he ran for president, he was very open borders. Um, he, uh, you know, th this new immigration plan uh, that you know he seemed to be all for when he was running for president. Um, you know, he, uh, um, you know, so he is he is he is a new you know the Green New Deal. He praises one of the best ideas he's ever seen Which uh, is when he's running for president. Yeah. So, so I mean, but so he he represents you know the fringe of the Democrat Party, uh, which unfortunately you know is what's running Washington. I mean, you know, so so you know if you want uh, someone who's going to implement the same policies uh, that have made our border a disaster, the same policies that have driven up energy prices, uh, the same policies that have made our streets unsafe and communities that have defunded the police, uh, then, you know, Beto's your guy. That's what, that's the guy you want. Uh, you know, but again, I think he represents a radical fringe group of the Democrat party. Uh, but that is actually now the mainstream. I mean, that's what I see in Congress. I mean, you know, right. there's, I mean, there, there's a reason there's half a trillion of green new deal spending in the reconciliation bill. The Democrats are trying to pass this week, uh, because that is the mainstream of their parties, what they believe. You're right. And here's the thing, uh, you know, we are going to, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, there's no way he can get elected in the state of Texas. You know, he's talked about knocking on doors and taking guns and confiscating guns, like you've mentioned. Here's the thing. He is going to bring a ton of money from California, from New York, from D.C., from all these special interest groups. He is going to bring a lot of money in to our state that we're going to have to compete with in order to get our message out there. So um, we do have to sure. take him seriously. No, look, he, he brought you know. in colossal sums of money. Yes. Uh, I think the previously the most expensive Senate race uh, a campaign had ever spent was about 40-something million dollars. He spent $80 million Golly. in 2018. Just a staggering sum of money. Um, oh, and what and, and what happens is, is that uh, you know, and look, he, because he's so liberal, because he's evicting such as extreme policies, um, 
you know, Democrats around the country would, you know, take his name and image and say, help me raise money for Beto. And then they would kind of split half the money. And so he, he, he just had, you know, millions and millions of dollars flowing into his campaign from all over the country um, as Democrats around the country would raise money um, on his name, uh, trying to, you know, trying to take uh, a Senate seat in Texas. Yeah. But, you know, now he's running for governor, so it's, you know, there, are no, there are no campaign limits. No. Um, but I think you'll see Democrats, again, you know, kind of flock to him, raise money, and watch money come in from all over the, you know, all, all, all over the country will come in uh, to try to help Beto. But I think, again, he, he is one of the most, you know, he's, he's a, you know in Texas, uh, he is a very radical left Democrat. Um, he and is. So he is. He's going to have a, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll put that record next to Abbott's record of, lower taxes and less government, um, of, uh, of constrained spending of reasonable regulations of keeping lawsuits in check. Uh, you know, and, and look, Texas is, is a very successful state. Uh, uh, you know, arguably the most successful state, certainly, you know, in Collin County, we, we, you know, we see it every day with the job creation, with the new companies coming in, uh, with the safe streets, with the good schools, uh, that comes with good governance. Right, um, and we know that the policies that the, you know the defund the police policy, the higher taxes, the don't build roads policies. I mean, these policies lead to uh, communities that are not doing very well, that are having crime waves, that are having traffic problems, that are uh, having people wanting to businesses wanting to leave because they can't afford to to, to operate in these high tax, high regulatory, high uh, lawsuit environments where it's just not safe. Right. Uh, and not 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 appropriate to go do business. And so uh, we're very fortunate to be in North Texas where we, we have been so successful. We are. Uh, we and are. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do that. Well, and thank you so much for all of your hard work. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Um, we're, um, we've got next Wednesday off, so we'll see you the following week after Thanksgiving. So I want to make sure to wish you and your beautiful family a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. Oh. Keep up the good work. And, again, you've got a 100% meeting policy. If anybody yep. wants to meet with you, talk to you on the phone, FaceTime, however you you know want to meet, the congressman's available. So reach out to his office, and, and they'll get you hooked up with a meeting with Congressman Van Taylor. We appreciate you. Thank you for pushing back on all the radical spending. Um, we, we've got we've got to send you help in 2022. We've got to send more conservatives, more Republicans to Congress, so you've got help, so we can start undoing some of the damage that's been done by this administration. Well, thank you, Kathy. I would say that Americans are clearly tired of this. Yes. Americans have had enough. They've had enough of the high gas prices. They've had enough of the of the COVID restrictions. They've had enough. Uh, of the of the out of control spending, which is driving up inflation, uh, they've just they've had enough of it, and you can see it um, in the you know seventy percent of Americans think the economy is not going well. You see it in the right. you know the the number of Americans that disapprove of President Biden, the, the, in the in the number of people that want to vote Republican uh, for Congress because they've just they've had enough. Um, and what's crazy is the Democrats don't seem to get that at all. They're completely toned up, and this week alone they're trying to spend. The most expensive bill in the history of our country is mm. slated to go is to be voted out of out of the U.S. House of Representatives and go to the Senate. And I'm just uh, I'm I'm it's it's a sad day. Uh, yeah, God 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 bless America. We need we need God more than ever right now. Well, thank you so much, sure. Congressman Taylor, and we thank will you, see Kathy. you after Thanksgiving. Have a good one. Super. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. All right, Congressman Van Taylor, um, if you want to talk with him. Even, you know, we know where he's going to vote on the radical spending. We know he's against all of that. 
Uh, but if you send him an email, if you call his office, um, let them know that because then he can take those numbers. And when he argues against this kind of stuff on the floor, even though, unfortunately, we don't have the votes, you know, the liberals have control of Congress. So we, we know we don't have the votes, but at least those your voice can be recorded. So um, that that's something we can do right now. Um, and then I'm telling you, you've got to get involved and we've got to make sure that we are a unified party and that we work together um, towards victory up and down the ballot November of 22. No matter who wins the Republican primaries, whoever the Republican primary voters vote for and select as our nominees, we have got to, we don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves and be mad. We've got to hop on board and we've got to go out and support those folks who um, who are going to be the Republican ticket um, in November of 2022. Crucial, crucial, crucial election. So much, so much is at stake. Um, wanted to give y'all some good news. JP's dad, Stan the man, um, and we love him. We love you, Stan, and we're still praying for you. He still needs prayers. He's still in the hospital. We have several other um, procedures and uh, a couple of surgeries that need to be done. But the good news from yesterday's procedure, no blockages whatsoever. So when they did this um Oh, and I'm probably going to mess up the medical term, like the angiogram, some kind of something like that. Um, text JP, he can tell you the exact term, but there were no blockages at all. So that was the best possible scenario. So now they'll be able to move on with some of these other procedures. Again, JP just has been um, singing the praises of his father's doctor and the folks at uh, Baylor um, Heart Hospital. So just if you'll keep him in your prayers because they are working prayer warriors. So we appreciate you. And then on Friday, we've got in studio, we have um, Miss Texas and she's bringing her fiddle this time. So we get to hear some of her talent. She's actually preparing right now for the Miss America competition, which is literally just weeks away. So um, we're all excited to cheer her on for that. And then um, we have Kit Whitehill, who is the incoming president of the Texas Texas Federation of Republican Women. She'll be in studio as well, so it should be a fun day and a day with a lot of strong women in studio. So everybody have a blessed day, and we will see y'all soon. Be safe. Hello, Patriots. I'm Abraham George, chairman of Carlin County Republican Party. I wanted to invite you to our special event on November 27th, it's a gubernatorial debate happening here in Frisco, Texas, at the Embassy Suites. Uh, then we will open at 9 a.m., and our debate will start at 10 a.m. We will have a straw poll at the end. It will be your choice, your chance to uh, voice your opinion. Who do you want to be your next governor of Texas? I would look forward to seeing you there. Come up and sign up. Come on and sign up at harlancountygop.org. You can get your tickets, and we would love to see you there. Thank you so much.